Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part two of Scary Halloween, where Alan and I will be curating side B of a mixtape featuring the scariest songs to play on All Hallows' Eve. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am ready to do this. Our music last week was incredible that that song by the ball i cannot believe there's first of all i can't believe there's a springsteen song i had not heard but, <laughs> but that was just i would never have known nope that was the boss that that was just that was mind-blowing it makes you wonder if he would branch out a little more nothing against his newer stuff but he's you know he's playing it safe for the most part he is yeah if he would branch out a little like tom waits and and to do some more of that stuff would be really interesting yeah really would um hmm well what ifs you know but um, yeah, no. A lot of our a lot of our selections last last week we did not uh, know the others' picks. So I'm really curious to see if this week that is a repeat, or if in fact we know the music that that each of us brought with us this time. So what do you think? Well, I'll start off with one you probably don't know. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I'm looking forward to um, it. And, and remember, there was some. We had, of course, the Uncharted episode, the last episode, and so there were all these new. In fact, what. Our alternate alternates and mentioned songs had like oh it, it sixty some yeah songs. it's ridiculous we got a little carried away but but there were songs right I wanted our listeners to hear if they had not so and and so I played around a little bit like for instance um sometime around midnight I w- you know, was going to include on breakup but I got to move it to the uncharted well there was a song that I wanted for uncharted that I was able to move to this week. Um, actually, it was it was an example more of a band that I wanted to introduce than the actual song itself. So there were a few I could have could have chosen, but this fit in perfectly. The band is Silver Sun Pickups. Are you familiar with Silver Sun Pickups? Okay. No, do not know them. They are a great just rock band. I mean, yeah, you can say there's some alternative elements to it, but just 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 a great guitar-based rock band from California. They got their name, actually, there was a liquor store across the street called Silver Sun, so a Silver Sun pickup was somebody would make a, a liquor run. That's <laughs> where so they got their name. Nice. Um, when you first listen to them, the, the lead singer sounds a little bit like a Billy Corgan, but they're, they're really not nearly as gothic as um, like Smashing Pumpkins. Like I say, they're a little more rock based. There's some similarities, but it's unfair. Some people hear it right away and say, oh, that sounds like Smashing Pumpkins. Um, this is a song, you'll like this, called uh, Bloody Mary. Nice. Subtitled okay. Nerve Endings. Nerve End. Okay. And it's from their album from 2012, Neck of the Woods. I think that was their third album. Everything they've done. They've had, I think, four, maybe five albums. Really, really good. I've seen them live twice, actually. At both times, I think, at House of Blues. Um, it, it, it's, it's based, of course, on that game that kids play. You know, when you're trying to scare each other out. Um, in fact, I think you what, look in the mirror and say Bloody Mary three times. Yeah. And she's supposed to visit you. Yeah, there's a couple of different ways you're supposed to be able to summon her, I think. But uh, the mirror is the most common. The mirror, similar to the, to the Candyman thing. Right. right? Um, like, so did you, when you were a kid, like have sleepovers and try to creep each other out? And oh, stuff? always. Yeah, always. Um, and, and it worked. I mean, I've been a horror fan for as long as I can remember doesn't mean I didn't get scared by it in fact I wish I could get some of that back because now nothing nothing, nothing scares me you know do you have any phobias oh yeah do you I, I actually I don't think that I have any because it, it's really wild like I've my students I, we were talking in class about what scares you uh, not too long ago and I said the only thing that genuinely scares me is the idea that something could happen to my wife or my kids that's what scares me and you know they, they called you know they called my bluff and I said I'm being honest I'm not scared of clowns spiders snakes heights water, I don't like bats you know? very much 
bats? Flying rats, yeah, bats. <laughs> and know, I don't like heights very, very much. Okay. Um, yeah, I, heights don't bother me. Bats, we, bats are, oh, they're cute and fuzzy. Okay, no. <laughs> you know, we need bats, though, because if the bats... Yeah, I understand The bat population fit. is going I know down. where they fit in the ecosystem. Yeah, we, we lose bats, and the mosquitoes are going to eat us In fact, alive. I was taking a walk in the evening, um, and I saw this bird fly in front of me, and it wasn't a bird, so I went home. No. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, uh, I, you know what I think it comes from? Bruce, Bruce Wayne, you are it's not. It's like my Bradman origin story. When we were at FAL, um, remember we had that awful... These awful shifts in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and sometimes we would cover for other, other people. Well, it was like um, I had to come in at like 2 a.m. or maybe the 6 a.m. It was the middle of the night. Okay. And I'm walking, you know, half asleep. And, you know, there's this tree up ahead, the one that was right before West Hall. And it had all these leaves on it. And I didn't realize that, oh, it's the middle of winter. There should be no leaves at all on the tree. And when I got underneath it, I realized they were all bats and they all flew off. And that's probably the moment where I was... <laughs> I just said, you know, I don't like bats very much. Uh, there was no Alfred there to, to no, comfort you. There was no, not. they did not attack me. Um, but th this song, yeah, it, it, so it's it's based on these stories and these legends that kids tell each other to freak each other out. But there's actually a bigger meaning to the. You, you wouldn't get this from listening to the song. Um, but uh, but frontman Brian Albert told the story. Basically, he and a bunch of guys were just talking about what we're talking about. How, you know, how did you freak each other when you were a kid, and what games did you play, and. Um, they were talking about Bloody Mary, and then one of his friends that he met later in life who was there said, you know, I never wanted to play those games. He said, um, I did not want to frighten myself. Um, and they kind of were like, well, come on, that was fun. And he said no, and he kind of got into it. Well, apparently, the real horrors of his childhood were, were way worse. Yeah. He went through a yeah. lot of crap as a kid. And he's like, the last thing I needed, because I needed an escape from the horrors. And that's when Brian realized that while they were trying to scare each other superficially, you know, um, there are children out there that really have gone to some crap. And he, he says he remembers thinking he wished wish he could just go in a time machine and go back to the, his friend's childhood and, and stop all of these real life things he, you know, he was going through. So he could have just been a kid and had fun with Bloody Mary stories. Right. So really, that was kind of the impetus for the song itself. But the song is still a good, creepy song in its own right. I, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing it, but now it's like that story. Just I don't even know how to respond to that. It's <laughs> well, like, it's just, do I do I show empathy? Do I say Bloody Mary? Yes. Well, yeah, no, I, no. Like, I just I, I just I enjoy am, the song as it is. Well, no, granted, yeah. I only I only, in fact I only knew that this week when I looked a little right. looked up some stuff about the song. No, 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 I, absolutely. But it's just I once we get into you know the you know, abused children. It's like, yeah, I wasn't trying to <laughs> damper the mood. That, here. that just totally buzz killed me. I, I, I'm just trying to <laughs> so, say as we, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't, didn't want to be that guy, but, um, um, yeah. No, but I get it. It's we're, actually a very cool story. We're having fun. Yeah. Uh, obviously there is real horror in the world, but that's, that's kind of the idea of horror, right? It, it, it's a catharsis for the things that we really do fear. Oh yeah. It's a, yeah. Um, and it helps us deal with those things um, that, that may be real or perceived. And so, yeah, I mean, it really is an escape, you right. know. It, it allows you to confront your fears in a safe environment, and and just, you know, it's yeah. Plus, it's the the release of the dopamine, you know, the adrenaline. It's really, you know, it feels good to to be scared. Right. You know, you get that that you know that that chemical rush, and it just it invigorates your body. I mean, there there's so much science involved in all of it as well. Joy in my hands now If we could 
Okay, well, I you know I'm looking at my first my first pick for for side B. I don't know that you know this one. Uh, you, you might. I mean, this it's not an obscure artist by any stretch. But um, my next one it, it's by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. You familiar with? Nick oh, Cave? Yeah. oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it comes from his ninth album, Murder Ballads, and you need to you need to understand Murder Ballads, I, f- folks. This is an album that started out as a joke. Nick Cave, he had written two sprawling tracks. One was titled Song of Joy and the other O'Malley's Bar. And and the latter, O'Malley's Bar, I mean, it spanned 40, 40, that's a four zero, 40 verses. And, and you know, it, it had yet to fit on a Bad Seeds album. So to accommodate these two tracks, the band talked initially with tongue-in-cheek of making a record about death, carnage, and blood-curdling violence just a twisted rendering of traditional ballads, both Appalachian and British. And they followed through. But in 1999, this album, which was designed to offend with it, with all these terrifying stories of murder, vengeance, and grotesque brutality, it actually became a million-selling commercial success, and it remains one of the most successful albums in Cave's extraordinary catalog. From start to finish on this album, I kid you not, I actually counted it uh, this week as I was preparing, 75 people and one dog lose their lives from start to finish on the album Murder Ballads. Hmm. And a good number of those, about one quarter of all those deaths, come from my favorite track on the album, which is titled The Curse of Millhaven. Okay? Now, this song is the album's riotous anomaly. I mean, it opens with with just this, you know, this abrasive explosion of noise. And then it becomes a sort of mad polka. I, I don't even know how else to describe it. I mean, that, that's just what it feels like to me. Like a Tom Waits it. kind of thing? I don't, I don't know. I know no, Nick Cave. I don't know this song. It, it's, it, no, it's not like Waits. It, it's just a, I, well, I'll, I don't, I, I can't describe it any better. I mean, it's, it's just this mad polka. It's like a very, it's almost like a, you're in a beer hall. I mean, you want to sing along. That's what I'm thinking of Cemetery Polka by Waits, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. It's similar. Okay. Similar, okay. yeah. Um, the story of the song, it's narrated, okay, by a 14-year-old girl named Loretta, who is actually a menacing killing machine who joyfully kills 20 of the children, 20 of her peers, before the track comes to a close. So we have a, a 14-year-old silly, silly, <laughs> serial can't speak tonight. Um, we, we have a 14-year-old serial killer uh, basically you know, roaming the streets of this small town. Now, Cave, he actually told Rolling Stone that Murder Ballads was, quote, designed to offend, as I said. He, he wanted it to be one of those records where people just go, what the hell is this load of crap after, after they purchased it? But then he lamented in the interview, and he said, in fact, it didn't work out that way. And, and truly it didn't, because despite the unspeakable events that Cave luxuriates in recounting, Murder Ballads is just this triumph. I mean, it's a frightening yet beautiful collection of balladry, soaked in history and, and just venerable storytelling tradition. Um, Select Magazine wrote that the album, quote, weaves itself together into a meditation on death that is both beautiful and genuinely unnerving. Rolling Stone judged it, quote, the performance of Nick Cave's life, the New York Times said that the album was, quote, about more than storytelling, adding the cave, quote, meticulously creates a macabre fable and then distills it to a single image of death in much the way a photographer arranges a studio shoot. And Pitchfork, which we have talked about many times, 
They called the album brilliant, mm-hmm. noting that Cave's most lyrically depraved record is also his most musically ornate and accessible. What year was this record? Uh, Murder Ballads came out in 96. Okay. 96. And, you know, this is not an album for the squeamish. Um, the song that I picked, it is, as I said, it is, it's an outlier on the album. It is just, it, it's just this, uh, it's just a fun song. I mean, lyrically, it's not fun at all, but but it's just this fun song. You want it makes you want to get up and just join in. I live in a town called Millhaven, and it's small and it's mean and it's cold. But if you come around just as the sun goes down, you can watch the whole thing turn to gold. It's around then that I used to go a roaming. La 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 la. the rest of the album does not sound like like this. that sounds like something the decembers would do really a lot of their songs are very dark and um, okay. um, lyrically, but um, gotcha. musically very carousing and okay. fun. Yeah, then and very similar vein. Yeah, it's not for the squeamish, as I said, but if you are a fan of the horror genre, I mean, fasten your safety belts, keep your arms and legs inside the ride at all times, and hold onto your lap bar because this is a wild ride. I think you're really going to dig this song. It's it Looking is just out it. there. Looking forward to it. Well, I, I'm pretty sure you'll know this one because it's been done by every country singer in country history, probably, uh, including Burl Ives, Vaughn Moore, Peggy Lee, Bing Crosby, The Outlaws, and the version that I'm going to choose from 1970, Mr. Johnny Cash, Ghost Riders in the Sky. Yeah. Hi. Great song. From his album, Silver. This is a country western classic uh, made popular originally by Stan Jones in 1948. Um, the song details the legend of damned cowboys forced to chase the devil's cattle with their uh, with these horses snorting fire. I love that image. Across the sky with the warning that cowboys will have to suffer this fate if they don't change their ways. Kind of an Ebenezer Scrooge in the desert, if you will. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Um, yes. But I went with Cash's version because, well, I love Johnny Cash, but his storytelling vocal is the perfect midnight campfire narrator. Uh, to guide you through the terrors of this midnight desert. Oh, it's such a great song. I, you know, you got it with the original on the alternate list because I don't know that I've ever heard the original version. I, you have to look and see if it's even on Spotify. Yeah, I, I, in fact, I know I've never heard the original version. So I'd, I'd be curious to hear you know, where it comes from. But no, it's, it's such a cool song, too. An old cowboy went riding out one dark and windy day. Upon a ridge he rested as he went along his way When all at once a mighty herd of red-eyed cows he saw Plowing through the ragged skies And up a cloudy draw Their brands were still on fire and their hooves were made of steel their horns were black and shiny, and their hot breath he could feel. 
A bolt of fear went through him as they thundered through the sky For he saw the riders coming hard And he heard their mournful cry I thought, okay, if we're going to do scary Halloween, let's uh, let's let's try some different uh, locales, right? You have the haunted houses and the graveyards, but why not the desert? Looking up at the sky, looking up at the clouds, some angry sky, of course, where cowboys envision. What else are you going to do in the desert, right? Yeah. <laughs> at night, while, very, yeah, very while you true. look during the day, of course, uh, during the night you would just see the stars. But um, to kind of you know make things out in the clouds, and why not do it in a sinister way as a warning oh. to those wayward cowboys? No, oh, it's a great pick, absolutely. All right. Well, I want to apologize in advance because for some of our listeners, I have no doubt this is where you are going to be real tempted to turn off the podcast. Please do not do that, okay? Because what I have picked for my next selection is a very polarizing track. I I, I know that. It is uh, a track from the fifth and final album by The Police. I'm talking, of course, about guitarist Andy Summers' corrosively shrill Mother, interesting choice. A paranoid fever dream confessional yeah. of mommy issues. Yeah. With Middle Eastern instrumentation. Why is this controversial? Oh, I, I, you know, I never really knew that it was until I, I, I just started looking online to see, you know, what people had to say about it, and I, there is so much hate, really, for this song. Oh yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. to me, it fits in. The, the, by the way, one of the most perfect records oh of it the really age. is yeah uh, absolutely just just timeless it's 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 aged well at least musically you're going to tell me now maybe it hasn't lyrically um this song yeah i mean it's really kind of an off the wall kind of avant-garde type of song i remember as a kid at first being like what's this but i can't turn it off like i really exactly, like it exactly yes so yeah tell us about it. all right so what well, no as i said I, many fans of the group the and i mean it's just website after website Many fans of the group fault this song for tarnishing what they consider an otherwise perfect album. No. Uh, one need only look online, I mean, I kid you not, to find that this track is just soundly slapped. It is, quote, the worst song on synchronicity, quote, the worst song by the police, quote, the worst original song released by a popular band, quote, the worst new wave song, quote, the worst song ever, and on. Well, that's and a little on harsh. And on. But it's. Because, you know, we all know that Built This City by Starship is the yes, worst song oh, ever. Yes, thank you. Mike. Oh. My kid today was trying to make me listen to that song. I've never come so close to kicking him out of the house. Um, anyway, anyway um, yeah, I, it, it just blew me away because I, I have always thought that this is actually a work of genius. And, I was, and I'm not alone. I mean, like I said, it's polarizing. I mean, it's very divisive. Okay, I've seen that, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the level of hate thrown at it, though. I mean, it would suggest by, by reading some of the reviews that the only thing scary about Mother is that the band thought it was a worthwhile addition to the mix. Really. Um, but I disagree. So bear me out here. For one thing, Mother fits in with the psychological dramas that make up the thematic core of synchronicity. Sting's best songs here employed this unreliable narration, giving you a glimpse into the road of people who are hanging on to their sanity or conscience by the slightest thread. So, you know, Summer's contribution as an unsettled uh, Oedipal rant sung in a B-movie villain shriek. I mean, it makes it a good comedic foil to the songs that follow on side two, especially. But but what's more, I would argue that Mother is one of the very best examples of So Bad It's Good, something I talked about 
last week in popular music. And it's just this twisted Freudian freakout. And it, it, it's aggressively dissonant. It has, you know, a 7-4 time signature, which is wholly unconventional. And the song is so avant-garde, really, that it burns itself into the minds of its listeners. So, you know, to be fair, the song would be championed if it were performed by one of the many noise rock and no-wave bands of its day. Still, I'm including it here because on my very first listen at age 10, the song scared the hell out of me. It just did. But like you, I, I couldn't turn it off. I mean, I was it was like I was entranced. Because the maniacal shrieks and the hypnotic rhythm, it just caught me completely unaware. And I stood there frozen, listening to this song as my imagination went, went wild with kid fears. And I would also argue that, you know, by the time Synchronicity was released, Sting had an outside influence on the group and near total control over which songs they recorded. This song won him over. <laughs> so if it's good enough for Sting, then it's good enough for our Halloween mixtape. Yeah, there, there, is a, there are a lot of people that do not like this song, apparently, which... I think it's a great choice. I wish I would have thought of it, because I yeah. would have included um, it as well. One of the first songs I thought of, I just... It's just... And even... I feel sorry for my wife, because as I kept rearranging and omitting and swapping songs, this one w- was always there, and she heard it so many times in the last couple of weeks. She was ready to, I think, string me up. I mean, she was... She was done with Andy Summers. <laughs> so, nonetheless. Good choice. Good choice. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's been about a year since I listened to that album. I remember during COVID, I dug a lot of old records out. I did too. To yeah. Them. All right. All right. Well, this one, not only do you know, but everybody on the planet knows. Um, and this is one of those songs um, that has been so greatly overplayed the last several decades. Um, in fact, this is a band that's been so overplayed. I'm not talking about Journey, which would qualify, um, but this is definitely a band that is way overplayed, um, but for good reason, because it's solid music. Um, not always, you know, things are popular sometimes but it's just because they're good, but sometimes too much of a good thing is, you know, <laughs> it becomes just a little banal. And um, I, I think the problem is because we've heard it so many times and we no longer focus on what made it good to begin with. And so that fits in this particular song by the Eagles. We have a match. From 1972. Yeah. talking about Witchy, Witchy Woman. Woman. We have a match. Yeah. Co-written by Don Henley. This was his <coughs> first writing credit with the Eagles. Uh, Henley wrote the lyrics while suffering a fever. And uh, he was reading a biography of Zelda Fitzgerald. Yeah. The wife of F. Scott. Of all people. And uh, guitarist uh, Bernie Leadon wrote the, the haunting music. So they kind of collaborated on this. And... Um, 
I just, I'm sorry. It's just a great song. It's one of those I usually turn because it's like, ah, it's the Eagles. You know, everybody has the Eagles greatest hits one and two in, in college. I mean, that and Steve Miller band and Journey was overplayed. But when I just went back with fresh ears, I tried to just purge myself of everything and listen to it like it was the first time. And like I said, there's a reason why the Eagles are such a popular band. Um, love the guitar solo on this, followed by, like like the end of the song, you have this these choruses of voices just kind of flying oh, yeah. around the sky above the treetops on a cold October night. Well, I mean, it's... It's just, it's a silky number, too. And the percussion. Yes. The percussion in this is. Which had to be Henley's contribution. Oh, well, it was. Yes. In fact, this was actually Henley's first songwriting credit as well. And, I mean, it just, I, I love it. And, you know, I like you, I it made my short list. And I was thinking to myself at the time, I'm not going to include the Eagles because it, it's the Eagles and everyone expects the Eagles. And But then I, I actually went back and, like you, I, I gave it a, a fresh listen. And I, I found myself like really just remembering why I loved the Eagles and you know how I burnt out on them. I mean the lyrics I and mean, raven hair, ruby lips, sparks fly from her t- fingertips. You know, um, what well, e- echoed voices in the night. She's a restless spirit on endless flight. I mean that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Raven hair and ruby lips, sparks fly from her tips echoed voices in the night she's a restless spirit on an endless flight made my list it was my next song you do we do that a lot yeah. it was my very next song wow. was what i was going to to discuss um a lot of great songs were written under the influence of a fever cowgirl in the sand by neil young yeah uh, they're just it's great i love it when artistic types get sick and they continue to write because <laughs> they write great stuff I love when they get sick yeah that's <laughs> that's too funny um yeah, no. I, also, there was a great Seinfeld episode dealing with Eagles and Witchy Woman and Desperado. Desperado, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Elaine liked Witchy Woman. Yeah. And he didn't understand why. Because Des- you remember every time Desperado was Oh, yeah, was everything on, just stopped. Stop. Yeah, yeah. Great episode. <laughs> He's like, I like Witchy Woman. <laughs> no, that, that is... Actually, that makes sense. I, I, I even wondered if that might be a match when I put it on there. So, all right. Well, I will have to go to my alternates list here soon. Um my next song then moving ahead um oh man my next artist is incredible her, her name is Jen Wigmore and her gravelly voice it, it, it's it's like a distinctive Macy Gray meets Duffy growl I mean it just positively seduces the listener some of our listeners actually may remember Wigmore's voice from the James Bond flick Skyfall and a related Heineken commercial uh, but if not, let me let me introduce her to you properly. I thought Skyfall was that Adele. That was Adele. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not not the theme. Oh, gotcha. But okay. um, her, her her music was used in in the film. Um, all right. So Jen Wigmore's 2012 sophomore album, um, which was titled Gravel and Wine, it reached number one in her native New Zealand, 
and it is just full of James Bond like slinky jazz pop tunes like like Black Sheep and Man Like That but she is at her sexy best on the sultry deeper cut Kill of the Night okay it's just this kind of timeless lounge pop that much in the same style made popular by Amy Winehouse really the track is full of just satisfying choruses, edgy guitar riffs, and, and percussion and snaps at once synthetic and alive. And, and Wigmore's vocals, I, they are powerful. They're tantalizing, they're immersive. And the lyrics strike familiar, but, but still effective noir strings. I mean, it is so easy to imagine her slinking panther-like down dark alleyways hunting her prey. She, she sings, The street's a liar, I'm gonna lure you into the dark. My cold desire to hear the boom, boom, boom of your heart. The danger is I'm dangerous and I might just tear you apart. And you want her to find you. <laughs> so when she strikes, you don't mind being her kill. I mean, it, it's just, it is a sexy number, but I mean, it is, it, this is the femme fatale. This is the very definition of the femme fatale. The streets, a liar. I'm gonna lure you into the dark. To hear the boom, boom, boom of your heart The danger is I'm dangerous And I might just tear you apart Oh All right, this one may be the most controversial of, of my choices. Um, this is a song that most people would say, what are you talking about? Why would you pick this for Scary Halloween? I'm sorry. This is one of the most haunting songs. Maybe the number one or number two, and they're both on this list. The other one's going to be at the end of my list. Um, this song has always scared the hell out of me. Okay. It's being for the benefit of Mr. Kite by the Beatles. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. So um, th- those of you out there are going, what? Trust me. Listen to the song. Listen. And I'm not afraid of clowns. I'm not afraid of like circus folk or anything. But it's, it's, it's mainly the instrumentation of the song, although the lyrics are a little bit off, too. Well, yeah. Yeah. The song is pretty simple. Um, you know, Lennon based the song on an actual 19th century advertisement for a circus that he encountered. And really, he just basically describes what's on the poster. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a song about a children's circus, but to me it's a song about just pure nightmare. Hmm. Listen, now when you go back, listen to the, the haunting, unsettling chords to begin with. Chords that just should not go with each other the it's, way they go. They're very dissonant, yeah. And then the middle eight, this is the clincher here. In the middle eight, you have this ghost-like laughter, barely audible, while this calliope plays like the soundtrack to a demon-possessed carousel and the imagery of Henry the Horse dancing the waltz. I'm sorry, this is <laughs> the stuff that nightmares are made of. Um, this is probably the most complex song 
on a record knowing from being between this and Pet Sounds, right? One of the greatest, most complex records of the of the rock era. And the atmosphere was achieved by blending a cacophony of carnival instruments. Um, in fact, one layer of that middle eight section is the result of actual tape. Uh, George Martin didn't know what to do with it. And so he just kind of threw something against the wall and it stuck. He actually had the engineer cut up the tape into little bits and then tape them back together randomly. And so one level of what you hear on that is just these random carnival instruments pieced back together. It is extremely haunting. So if you are afraid of clowns, you really will be scared of this song because you can just imagine some sinister killer clown waiting in the <laughs> corner of the circus tent. Um, but I don't have a thing about clowns. But to me, this is like just nightmare stuff. Like you're stuck in the middle of this three ring circus and this Henry the horse is doing the waltz. I don't know what this little tutu on. I don't know. I just have all these. It's just very, very, very unsettling. Yeah, it's not it's not your typical scary. It's definitely not your typical Halloween type. But trust me, I think it belongs on this list. Well, it, it definitely. I've always conceded that it has a funhouse vibe to it. Um, wouldn't go so far as to say it's haunting, but I, I know I know what you're talking about. I mean, this is a very um, yeah. It creeps me it, out. It's it's yeah. It's it's well. It was it was Lennon. You know, so much of what Revolution Nine. Anybody, right? Right. right. Um, but it's very musical too. It's not. It's not like Revolution Number Nine, where it's not, not listenable. I mean, it's not avant garde to the oh, point where it's yeah, like yeah. it's just an art project. Like it's a very listenable song. Well, and you know, as poetry, it is one of the best that it's. I I think it's one of the very best on Sergeant Pepper's. Yeah. I mean, it's just. You know what he does with with the wordplay is just phenomenal, and the melody's um, great. It really is. Yeah, but man, it's just no, mm. I I get you. Creepy. Okay. Creepy. Creepy. For the benefit of Mr. Kite, there will be a show tonight on trampoline. The Hendersons will all be there. Later, Pablo Frank is there. What a scene! Over men and horses, hoops and garters Lastly through a hogshead of real fire In this way, Mr. K will challenge the world The celebrated Mr. K performs his feet on Saturday at Bishop's Gate The Hendersons will dance and sing As Mr. Kite flies through the ring Don't be late Mrs. K and H is sure the public Their production will be second to none And of course Henry the Horse dances the walls next track I was actually uh, going to go with Echo and the Bunnymen at one point until I discovered it's not on Spotify I was going to go with People oh, Are gotcha. Strange okay. yep. by Echo and the Bunnymen um, but instead I actually went with another version that I was familiar with and I'm glad that I did not only because we would have had another match off because I definitely would have conceded to Killing Moon anyway but because this is another artist well, band, really, um, that our listeners have got to hear. 
and, and, and it's another one that you may not be familiar with. The name of the band is Johnny Hollow. Don't know it. Don't know it? No. Okay. So let, let me begin by asking you this. Have you ever heard of trip hop? No. Okay. I hadn't either. I, Trippy I, hip hop? Well, that that was what my Psychedelics and, and rapper? Yeah. Well I, well, I had never heard of it either. But one Google search later, this is what I learned, okay? It is an avant-garde dream pop that blends electronica, jazz, and down-tempo hip-hop. And I'm quoting here. And this, this actually, believe it or not, this, this definition um, came from Urban Dictionary, no less. Um, so it, it said, it is ethereal and entrancing. It can be instrumental or it can feature female voices. Lyrics tend to be thought-provoking, sensual, and deep. The summary, you know, all of it put together is exactly, I mean, it, it's 100% describes the, the Canadian trio, uh, Johnny Hollow. Sounds like something who, I, could, who, I would who, like. Yeah, who performs my next song selection. Yeah. This band's um, music, man, it is, it is dark, it is brooding, and it's cello-driven mm-hmm. with an edge. I like a cello. Okay. So exploring the band online, they they tend to be lumped into the generic goth industrial label, but that that is not where they fall. Um, they do create a moody aesthetic, but they are far too accessible to be labeled goth or industrial. Singer, guitarist, and keyboardist Janine White, digital artist Vincent Marcone, and cellist Kitty Thompson, they, they weave together cinematic songs with this darkly, very beautiful imagery. Um, and it's it's always accompanied by by intricate dark art. I mean, they they fall into a niche that that touches on steampunk and goth culture, but really they they evade specific genre categorization. Um, I I've chosen again their their very creepy cover of the Doors classic. Okay, people are strange, and and following just this eerie introduction, the track expertly raises the hairs on your neck. I mean. Janine White's haunting vocals are accompanied by a weeping cello that weaves in and out of punctuated notes on the piano. It is just a wonderfully creepy version of this song, more than befitting a Halloween mixtape. If film noir ever makes a return to the fore, Dave, these are the people to use for the soundtrack. I mean, there's even a tune uh, on, on the same album from which this comes that features a music box leading in it. And, and you know, on the waterfront after dark, the curtain comes up. In the amphitheater of renown, I mean, you will find this group. They are just incredible. And what they do with Jim Morrison's song, with the Doors song, is just, it's an entirely different song in their hands. So I, I'm kind of glad that Echo and the Bunnymen's version was not there. Because, yeah, I, this one, I mean, cool. it's just, it is so, so cool.
we come to our one face off. Now, since you had to go to your alternates list for Witchy Woman, I'm willing to go to my alternates list on this one. Plus, the Tom Waits song oh, Tom. You, you pick oh, okay. um, is, is, is a great choice, so I have no problem. But I want to talk about it so people on, on the alternates list. Can, so this, this is your Waits. This is, this is my Tom Waits. Got it. And this okay. is, um, like the Ramones said, uh, you know, I don't want to go in the basement. This is Don't Go in the Barn. Oh, okay. Don't Go in the Barn by Tom Waits, a little more recent, 2004, from his album Real Gone. Yep. Uh, this song is set in a small town, well, country town, with these nefarious characters hanging around. Um, and was inspired by a story that he heard about an old barn that was once used for, like, as a rural slave jail. So this old, like, outbuilding. Um, we already talked about his rough and crumbled vocals, um, which are enough to make the list, right? We had to have a Tom Waits on <laughs> you here. really do. But when he warned you not to go in the barn, you happily heed his advice and not only run away from the barn, but his voice. <laughs> uh, it's just a menacing, you described it. When you talked about how Waits, maybe it was the creeper in the song. Yeah. In this case, uh, it, the person warning you about the barn is, is maybe scarier than what he's describing <laughs> maybe taking place in the barn. Um, we already talked about this. Tom Waits is an acquired taste, but you can never say he's, he isn't interesting. Um, I loved everything he's done from that earlier After Hours jazz stuff I talked about to his like, off-the-path offerings that he always brings to the table. He's always, always interesting. Um, and, and like I said last week, I, I also considered Cemetery Polka from, from Rain Dogs. But there are a lot of really creepy haunting songs you could choose from Tom oh, Waits. Oh, yeah. I mean, half of his catalog, really. Um, but don't, don't go in the bar. Yeah. No, it's a great tune. Black cellophane sky at midnight. A big blue moon with three gold rings. I called him into the window. I pointed up above the trees. That's what I heard my demon scream. Coming from the woods out there. I left my dog run off of the chain. I left my door real good with the tail. Yeah, I'm going to give that one to you. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, so that, do I, should I go to my alternates now then probably, right? Um, Since I'm not, I'm not choosing that one. Yep. Um, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Definitely. I mean, <clears throat> one of the reasons I didn't want you to do it last week, I, you know, I let let the let our listeners actually hear the song, you know, yeah. play through. We, sure. We've, we've skipped doing that a few times. So, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, definitely don't go into the They need to hear that, that track. So... All right, so what alternate you you going to go with? I am going to go with Torture by the Jacksons. <laughs> okay. Interesting pick. I, I 
I didn't even think of torture. That's oh okay. Remember the Jacksons album from 1984? Oh, oh yeah, yes. victory, victory. They called themselves the Jacksons, but the font was very ambiguous because the S on the Jacksons kind of looked like a five. Like five, yeah. It's like the grown-up version of the Jackson Five. Well, of course, Michael Jackson made it huge in you know with Thriller in 1982, and uh, the rest of the Jacksons wanted to get a little get in on that action a little bit. So um, they they and I will say it wasn't a Michael Jackson album. They all contributed. They all wrote songs. Obviously, they all performed. Michael was included, um, but just as you know, everybody else was included as much. Uh, although um, Jackie, who actually wrote this song wasn't really sure he wanted to be involved. So he wrote the song and he offered it to them. Originally, it was supposed to be um, Jackie and Michael singing this. But then, like I say, he kind of held out to the last minute. So Jermaine ended up singing the song. Um, anyway, this song is, is is literally, I guess you would say, about a relationship breaking up in, under the allegory of like a horror film. The, the, I like the song. I do. I like the song a lot. It's Michael Jackson, you know, at his best vocally with uh, with Jermaine. What's really interesting though is is the video. Do you remember the video? No, I don't. See, I remember <clears throat> as a kid growing up, I didn't have cable. I had to go to my grandmother's to watch MTV. But there were a few loopholes in my house. Uh, network TV occasionally showed, like um, I think it was Channel Twenty Three in Akron showed Friday night Friday videos. Friday night videos, yeah. Um, and then ABC had a had a video show at night for like a half an hour. So this was one that I remember watching. Um, at my house and uh, being a horror fan and liking scary things I love this video because it, put it this way I went back and watched it <laughs> it was not good but back when I was a kid <laughs> I, I just remember there's this like giant spider web and they're going through the spider web and it was a mess the video was a mess they lost their original choreographer so they had to find someone to take her place and they ended up going to somebody was at a Lakers game and went up to this cheerleader named Paula Abdul, Paula Abdul yeah. and said would you like to come in and maybe save us so that was her first choreography gig so actually it's good for her it's good for the world that she got her start in this but the rest of it was just a complete disaster in fact the crew said the experience lived up to the title of the song um (laughs) the best part of it is michael jackson couldn't make the video shoot so they used a wax dummy for (laughs) go back and watch it i'm gonna have to i don't remember they rented a wax dummy from madame tussauds wax museum they used him so there were different parts where they're standing uh, at a little bit of a distance, but as it's scanning across, panning across, you you can you can tell he's just a wax dummy. But <laughs> did they, they did they work that into the storyline for the video? No, at all? no, it was just supposed to be him. It was just supposed to be okay. You were supposed to think he was a member of the band um, um, up there. In fact, they said uh, the, the the crew wasn't or the band somebody they weren't even like. Just put it this way: at some point, the head landed in the salad bowl in the craft table. So it just <laughs> it went over budget. The video um, bankrupt the production company. They went out of business after this. It was a complete, complete disaster. But I love the song. That was worth it just for the story. I'm dead. <laughs> I've only told you go up and look it up sometime. There, there are a lot. There are a lot of other things that happened um, on this production um, too. But those were some of the highlights uh, or lowlights, I should say. Man, I, I had forgotten all about that song. I, I don't know that I. I, I love the bass. Well, it's really not a, not a true bass guitar. It's a, it's a synth bass, but it's a great synth bass line. Um, it's, hmm. just, it's just a great rock soul song. It was on the street, so we.
You know, I had to have seen the video. I, I was watching MTV all the time at, at that time, but I, I have no memory of it whatsoever. I like Jermaine Jackson too. I, I, he had a couple couple yeah. tunes, a couple yeah. solo album, but I, I like him on this a lot. Well, you know, I, I, one to throw on the alternates list too, the Jackson Five in 1973, they have a song actually called The Boogeyman. Mm. You ever heard that mm. one? It, it was not a, a major hit. I don't even think it was released as a single, but um, basically it's it's Little Michael, right, in 1973, basically telling his, his girlfriend that if she basically dumped him, <laughs> that the boogeyman would come for her. <laughs> it's like the weirdest track. Um, so I'd be, be kind of cool to yeah, bookend that, with the yeah, two of them. Awesome. I um, hadn't thought of that one either in a long time, the boogeyman. Um, okay. Well, here is my pick by Alice Cooper. Okay. Um, Shock Rock's greatest act. I mean, you, As we've already said, you can add any number of his songs to a list of truly frightening sure. songs. But it is I Love the Dead. That's the one that I had to include here. It's Alice Cooper's pian to necrophilia that remains his most chilling. <laughs> okay, Expressing his fascination and sexual attraction for fresh corpses. I mean, that's pretty risky and taboo. That's, that's taboo still today. By well, I hope standards. it's always taboo. I, let's hope so, yeah. But I'm saying with, you know, with all the... the with hell with everything that artists get away with now I mean that still is just it, it's just bad taste right I mean there's just an unsettling frankness on the recorded version of this tune too that transcends satire because Cooper he insisted that you know it was all good fun and you know it was a joke and I think most people do take it in that way but you know when when he delivers that line Okay, while friends and lovers mourn your silly grave, I have other uses for you, darling. It doesn't get more disturbing. I mean, even Poe is, is rolling around in his grave with right? that Right, yes. Um, you know, it's it's only on stage where the song has served as a prelude to, to Cooper's nightly beheading, like like I talked about last week by, by Guillotine, um, that, that it becomes campy. It's not campy on the original recorded version. Um it is actually, this is the closing track on the 1973 album, Billion Dollar Babies. And I mean, it's gothic, it, it's very, it, it's occasionally majestic, depending on where you are in the song. In, in a 2014 Rolling Stone interview, Alice Cooper shrugged off the tune's shock value, though. And he said, quote, to me, anyone taking it that seriously, yeah, and then he just trailed off. He never actually <laughs> finished discussing it. Um, he did come back, though, to say, I don't think you can shock an audience anymore today. If I cut my arm off and ate it, okay. That would be shocking. But I could only do it twice, was, was Alice Cooper's response. As disturbing as this subject matter is, though, the track boasts some great playing by the Alice Cooper band. And really, all the members kind of acquit themselves you know, here displaying their just their considerable chops as musicians. I, I had to go with this one because I mean, this is just the most disturbing song the man, the band, he he wasn't solo at the time, ever but out there. But it is also the most disturbing song the band ever but out there. So yeah. I, will, I will gladly give you the best of the seventies blended. You together. sure? I mean, because we can listen and see which fits in the playlist better. Well, that's true. But the problem with that, someone's going to have to pick an alternate though. Um, I mean, we can. I can. Talk, we'll all talk about our alternates, and then after well, that, we make our choices, yeah, we true. just pick one. So okay, we'll yep. leave that one up all to right. the playlist. That works. That works. Yeah, I am. Um, 
This is my last pick um, with a, a song that, um, that that haunted me from as a very young child, even before For the Benefit of Mr. Kite. I was older when I heard that. This is one, and I think we've discussed this before. I think your mom, like my, my mom, had, uh, had an AM radio in the kitchen and would play WHBC like 24-7. Right. And so you'd hear at six o'clock, they play The Stranger, The Whistling Part by Billy Joel. Every day. Every day. Yeah. And they were, you know, just these, these 70s classics that they would play, early 80s eventually. But then there were a couple songs that they played um, that terrified me. One of them was, was Do It Again by Steely Dan, which really? is one I could have chosen for this um, list. Yeah, just think about that kind of haunting um, vibe, which is a great vibe, but it's somewhat haunting. And then it, it, it talks about cooking people on the street. And I mean, it's, yeah, I'll give, you know, think about it as a little kid, I'm imagining like all these people in some riot, like stringing someone up and, and eating them like a zombie movie or something. But the one that really got me, and I think it was because I got my own Radio Shack transistor radio for my birthday. I might have been like seven years old. And so I tuned it to the first station I could find. And this song came on. And I sat there mesmerized and terrified. And I'm talking about Riders on the Storm by The Doors. Okay. 1971 from L.A. Woman. Oh, there is a killer on the road. So. Yes. Well, think about it. First of all, it starts off with this jazzy piano, which is really not. It's a really nice little piano piece that starts. Uh, or keyboard. I'm not sure if he was he was playing um, some type of electric piano. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's keyboard. But um, um, kind of it kind of goes into this. But then you of course have the sound effect of, of the storm itself, right? Which is which is a bit chilling. And yeah, then you have this real low voice. Now imagine a kid that used to pop music. You're not used to hearing such a very low voice as Jim Morrison. So here's this real haunting voice talking about a killer on the road whose brain is squirming like a toad. See, that line always just, <laughs> I, that, that ruined it for me, though. Really? No, it didn't ruin yeah. the song, yeah. but I mean, it ruined that, any idea that the song was like, you know, dark and, and you know, just malevolent. I, I Squirming like a toad. It's here, Here's the thing about Jim Morrison, and I, I, I know I'm interrupting That's you. That's right. But honestly, I remember like in college, all the people that hailed Jim Morrison as like this, you know, the greatest of poets, so I've, you know, we have a very good friend who hailed Jim Morrison as one of the greatest of poets. Jim Morrison really was not that great a lyricist. I mean, he, there's so much repetition in sure. his songs, for one thing. But, I mean, Peace Frog. Now, I'll, if he wants to work with amphibians, I will give him Peace Frog. That that song is amazing. But Squirming Like a Toad? I, I know he had to find a rhyme. I get that. But 
I, well, ne- I never even understood the line. Imagine squirming like a toad. But imagine me, seven years old here, and, and oh no, I, yeah. I see this low voice, and, and I see. So this is the image I have in my head. So he's driving down this highway. It's pouring down rain. You can barely see, and he's just ominously looking forward with intent to murder. And and inside his head, because his head isn't right, his brain almost like from like a B horror movie, right, where the brain's like walking across the table of the scientist lab. <laughs> okay. His brain is just squirming. It's causing him. He his brain is causing him to want to do evil. You can't see the, the hand gestures, <laughs> folks. <laughs> but Dave is really getting into this explanation. It is great. All right. That that's what spooked me. But even even if he didn't have the lyrics about the killer and the squirming brain and all that stuff, atmospherically. In fact, this is something new. That I always learn something new when I look up um, stuff about these songs. Um, this song has been cited as the precursor to goth music. Hmm. So okay. if if if, if uh, Black Sabbath, as we learned last week, kind of started the whole metal movement, some people believe the goth movement started here. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I um. Well, the the alternate I'm going to go with uh, here in just a second uh, for Witchy Woman. A lot of people think it's the start of the goth movement. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm Into this house we're born Into this world we're thrown Like a dog without a bone And actor out alone Riders on the storm There's a killer on the road His brain is squirming like a toad Take a long holiday Let your children play If you give this man a ride Sweet family will die Killer on the road Yeah When I was very young, I, I sometimes imagined that the, the killer on the road, he runs over the toad <laughs> and you see the you know, the toad's not quite dead and it's like you know it's, I don't know um, but no I, I totally get it I mean it's not I, I almost went with the doors um, because I, I almost chose the end mm, by the yeah. doors um, you know there's there's probably not a whole lot worse than you know the, just the Oedipal you know pull to the mother and you know f- just uh, patricide, you know, and matricide. But I am um, matricide. Is it matricide or matricide? I, matricide. Matricide. On a mattress. I don't know. <laughs> Kill a mattress. <laughs> On the side of the mattress. Um, yeah, I. Um, but I didn't go at the, the end because uh, we're family friendly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there are quite a few F-bombs at the end of it. Um, no, it's a great pick. I, I totally get it. And you're right. I mean, the mood... It's another mood piece. Yes, and that's, that's the storm. again to me. It's the psychological. It's the what you don't see that that scares you more. Like, what's the intent of this guy? Who is right? He? Now, now you have one more, right? I do. So let me just run down my alternates real quick. Go for it, and then you do the same with after yours, and then we'll make our final decision. Um, I, I went with Evanescence, Haunted. I don't know if you're familiar with that song. Oh, yeah. I love Evanescence. 2003. Uh, Depending on your interpretation, the song's about either being haunted by the memory of a loved one or or literally haunted by like a a stalker in the past. Um, 
to me, it's just those unsettling dissonant chords that open the song. Um, to, to me, the opening almost makes you sound like you're going to board the haunted uh, mansion at Disney. It, it, it's almost a playful type of dissonant chord. But then it goes almost like a Marilyn Manson type industrial tune um, with those really heavy guitars and those industrial percussion instruments. And then the, the guitar solo, which is accompanied by an echoing chorus of voices that are very haunting and force their way into the conclusion of the song. Season of the Witch by Donovan. Great song. Um, this is a very haunting psychedelic trip. Um, uh, a song, mellowed out paranoia. That, that's the thing that seems a little bit like, like you're paranoid, but you're so mellow, you don't do anything about it. That's this song, right? Would really haunt any squares in the late 60s, I suppose. For me, the whole idea of like completely chemically abandoning one's consciousness to one's subconsciousness um, is not not freeing, but terrifying for me. Yeah, yeah. Because who knows what I might find down there, right? Uh, yeah. Um, but I love the intensity of the chords after the song builds. And to me, there's a little bit of Velvet Underground in there. But the whole thing is just, again, here's a contradiction, comfortably unsettling. Mm-hmm. My last pick, I uh, had to throw it out to some, some local rockers here from Akron, Howlin' For You by the Black Keys. Um, I don't know. To me, I interpret it as kind of the sexual beast in all of us, the whole werewolf analogy, uh, maybe lyrically not nearly as haunting as the music. It starts with this Gary Glitter rhythm, goes to this tinny guitars, and then you have the distorted vocal stylings of Dan Arbach, almost sounding very similar to Springsteen, uh, not quite as distorted, um, but that bullet mic, that, that really old echoey microphone. Uh, and then you have the stadium chants. Um, so watch out for the full moon. Those are my three. Okay. Um, very good. I, um, all right. Well, first I'll, I'll run down um, my alternates. Um, I had, uh, beginning with um, The Boogie Monster, uh, that's by Gnarls Barkley, okay? Um, which, of course, is Danger Mouse and CeeLo Green. Um, great album, St. Elsewhere. Um, best known, of course, today for Crazy. Right. I mean, that, that was the... That song was everywhere, um, but the Boogie Monster. I mean, it is just. It's it's kind of like. Um, oh, it's. I don't, how do you describe it? I mean, are you familiar with I'm the not, song? No. Not. All right. So it, it's basically, it's like explicit Halloweenisms that that you know meet Frank Zappa that meet the Gorillas. I mean, you throw that together, and that that's kind of like the Boogie Monster. It's just. It gives you this unshakable feeling of gleeful dread 
<laughs> really. Um, it's cheerily creepy, and it has this great little baritone pian to the to the horrors of the night, the things that go bumpity bump, you know, just just out of your peripheral vision. And and there's there's this little bit of of like a Jekyll and Hyde theme going through the song. It, it channels Screaming Jay Hawkins and. You know, while while peeking through the forests on a hollow, All Hallows Eve, you know, all boogaloo and, and Wilkie Collins Victorian imagery couched in neo soul and clanky beat tu- beat touches. I mean, it's just it's it's a great tune. Um, I had Werewolf Heart, which is by Dead Man's Bones. You familiar with Dead Don't Man's Bones? Don't know that Bones? one either. That would be Ryan Gosling's band. Really? I thought yeah. he had a band. Ryan Gosling's band, um, and it is just. Oh, it, it their whole album is actually it, it's really good which I was kind of surprised to, to find that it was really good because it had so many things that could have went very very wrong on the album but um, yeah Werewolf Heart it's, it's the most modern track on the album and it, it begins with these pinging piano keys and acoustic followed by bass guitars and it's basically like a a a lover's exchange. Um, she is in love with essentially a monster. Okay, he's he's the werewolf, and the only way they can be together is if she sacrifices herself to him, and he doesn't want to do it. So they're running off, trying to outrun the the moon. It's it's a really a, a kind of a beautiful song, but I mean, it, sound effects. It's it, it's just a really cool number. Um, I had We Suck Young Blood by Radiohead, mm-hmm. yeah. which, of course, is about Hollywood and how the executives prey on young, easily exploitable talent. But lyrically, I mean, it, it's just the vampire imagery, right? Hungry, sick, begging for a break, sweet, fresh, strung up by the wrists. In fact, um, you know, before Hail to the Thief was released, they actually put posters up around Los Angeles featuring the lyrics to the song and... Uh, you know, it said, we want young blood. Call 1-800-YOUNG-BLOOD. I guess people started calling the phone number. I'm totally missing the point of it. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it's just a strange rhythm, too, because uh, not only is it a very slow tempo, but it's the first and third beats of the bar that are accentuated. And you pair that with Tom York's crackling, bittersweet vocals. I mean, it's just a very creepy number. Then I had three in a row, okay, Two of the three, I put on here because I want them on the alternates list. I had no no intent of ever picking them for the 12. The first one is considered by most to be the first industrial music song, the first industrial music band. That would be Throbbing Gristle. And in 1978, they came out with a song that makes pretty much every music critic's list of the scariest songs ever made. It's a tune called Hamburger Lady. And it is, what, like Tom Waits, it's not really a, a, a song at all. Um, I mean, they, ever the fetishists of the grotesque, I mean, Throbbing Gristle, they basically um, wrote this song based on, on a letter that was written by um, a medic in Vietnam. Um, and later, he, the medic, he, he worked in a burn victim unit at a hospital where he cared for a woman who was scorched. I mean, just nothing left. Everything burnt off. No face left on, on this poor woman. And they called, they called this poor woman who was only alive because of the machinery, Hamburger Lady. And this nightmarish vision, I mean, it's just this woman's excruciatingly prolonged um, survival 
you know, it, it's administered through the world of a high tech hospital. And the song is just, it is so, it's nauseating to hear. I wouldn't put it on the 12 ever because this is real life. This is actually, it's a true story. And it's, it's just, it is so grotesque and so disturbing in its own right. You know, it's not exploit. It shouldn't be exploited for gotcha. a Halloween right, right, right. Uh, mixtape. But yeah, it makes everyone's list of the most haunting songs of all time for, for good reason. Same goes for Frankie Teardrop by Suicide. Do you know this I one? I don't. This one is, uh, this actually tops most people's lists, um, most music critics' lists of the scariest songs ever made. Um, it, it's just this terrifying 1977 single uh, from New York synth punk pioneer Suicide. And at the time of its release, I mean, the album was mostly ignored due to being released on the upstart indie label that it was on. And, and the reviews did not, they, they were not kind. Rolling Stone magazine called it absolutely uh, just, what, they, they said it was just absolute trash. And they declared that Alan Vega's vocals on it were nothing but arrogance and wholesale insensibility. Decades later, Rolling Stone included the album on their 500 greatest albums of all time. Yeah, list. Right, yeah. So, yeah, like Pitchfork. Yeah, so, you know, things change. It is actually, um, this, is, this is the song that uh, Bruce Springsteen, actually, um, he, he, where is it in my notes here? Springsteen actually hailed it as one of the greatest songs that he ever heard, and it was actually the song that in many ways, there, there it is. The song taps into something primal and horrifically familiar. In a 1984 Rolling Stone cover story, Bruce Springsteen spoke about suicide's influence on his Nebraska LP. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, he said, that one, that's one of the most amazing records I think I ever heard. I love that record, he said of Frankie Teardrop. Um, it's basically about a man who is just driven to the point they're about to be evicted. He's, he's lost his job. He, he can't afford to live. And it's it's a suicide, it's a murder suicide. He kills his newborn child. He kills his wife. Then he turns the gun on himself. And it's just the the oh, just the sound effects and just this constant you know white noise in the background. And then these unexpected screams that that come from Vega. Um, that literally, if you're listening to it in a dark room for the first time, headphones, it will scare the living hell out of you. But it's not Halloween friendly. I mean, this is literally, you know, murder-suicide is not, you know, especially, you know, you're dealing with mental illness and any number of other things. Has to be on a list of scariest songs, not on Scary Halloween, but I wanted that also on our on our uh, alternate list. The song I'm going to go with uh, to replace Witchy Woman, I'm actually going to go with, with uh, Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus, which <laughs> I talked about earlier. Um, this dark entity of, of the goth genre, um, basically the, the genre itself, a lot of critics, what I was finding, they actually say that goth can be traced back to Bella Lugosi's dead, hmm. which would, I see Bella Lugosi, I actually see the doors too, but the doors isn't so much goth as it's more of a, I think, like setting the foundation. Oh, so it's a precursor to God. Yeah. They didn't call it God, but a precursor. Okay. What, yeah. what year is this song? Uh, this is um, 1979. Okay. Was Bella so like Lugosi's Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was the band's first ever studio session. I mean, it's just a masterclass in experimental post-punk. Nine and a half minutes of just skulking dread over a ticking bossa nova rhythm, minimal guitar, dub bass, and echo effects. And 
singer Peter Murphy, I mean, he waits almost three minutes before making an entrance. And his sepulchral tones, I mean, they, they mark the demise of the horror film legend of the title, best known for his portrayal of Dracula. Um, it is just, oh, it, it's, it's an amazing, amazing tune. Um, you know, it really isn't about Lugosi at all, um, but rather it's about name recognition. And it's just, that, do you know? I don't. You don't, don't know this one? Nope. Okay. So, um, yeah, it, it's... Oh, it's been covered by Nine Inch Nails, Massive Attack, Sepultra, uh, Nouvelle Vague, Chris Cornell, um, The Churches. You know, it, it's just, it's this dead, simple, descending bass line, two bright guitars flashing like mica and then rainbows. I mean, it, it's, it, it is literally one of the best. White on white, translucent black capes, back on the rack. The ghost is dead, the bats have left the bell tower The victims have been bled, red velvet lines, the black box The ghost is dead The ghost is dead folks is scary halloween and now we have the task our last task of the season to assemble these different haunting chilling scary songs into a mixtape that's listenable (laughs) and we will be right back after this and we're back and like always we have a very eclectic mix of music for you for our scary halloween mixtape yeah we are all over the place there are so many genres here honestly (laughs) it's kind of Kind of cool. All right, so here is your scary Halloween mixtape. We begin with This is Halloween by Marilyn Manson, which leads into Cannibal by Marika Hackman, followed by Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite by The Beatles, Ghost Riders in the Sky by Johnny Cash, Bad Moon Rising by Credence Clearwater Revival, followed by Kill of the Night by Jen Wigmore, a Night with the Jersey Devil, Bruce Springsteen. What's He Building by Tom Waits. The Fine Art of Poisoning by Jill Tracy. Into the Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunnymen. Riders on the Storm by The Doors. And we end Side A with Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. Side B, we begin with Bloodletting the Vampire Song by Concrete Blonde. That goes into Witchy Woman by The Eagles followed by Mother by The Police. We went with I Love the Dead by Alice Cooper, and uh, that won when Dave conceded that he's really freaked out by this one. So <laughs> if, if it, it, it's doing I probably its will never listen to it again. <laughs> I will skip it on the playlist. Oh, you had to at least hear it through once. It gives me the willies. <laughs> that goes into Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with The Curse of Millhaven. I Don't Want to Go Down to the Basement by the Ramones into Haunted by Evanescence. 
that was what was chosen uh, in lieu of Welcome to My Nightmare was haunted by Evanescence. Uh, People Are Strange by Johnny Hollow into Bloody Mary Nerve Endings by Severson Pickups. Torture by The Jacksons. Bury a Friend by Billie Eilish. And we end our mixtape with Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus. Nice. It is, yeah. I mean, it's really, not all, in, there's some really, like, really kind of scary. Some of yours are kind of, like, really scary. Yeah. But I think the entire thing like that would be... Oh, it'd be too much. Like a, like a, like a horror movie. You have to have moments of reprise right. to lighten the tension before you get back into the scary stuff. So I think we've kind of followed that formula a little bit here. Yeah. You think I went too far? No. Okay. Well, I, maybe with I Love the Dead. <laughs> no, Alice Cooper went too far with I Yeah, Love I was going to say, I didn't write the song. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Um, I don't know. I see. I was having a lot of fun. I was thinking, I, let's scare people. It's supposed to be scary Halloween, but I, I, I was really, afraid. I really was afraid that I was going to come in and all yours were just going to be mood pieces, and that I was going to just appear to be like this, you know, very disturbed individual. But, no, it's a good. <laughs> you know, the, but we need the pacing, right? No, yeah. I just, I, I, not knowing what you were going to have, I'm like, or am I about to convey to my to to our listening audience that I'm the the, nah. I'm the, uh, you know, un- unnerving the the dangerous one here of the two. Um, no, it, it is a really, really cool mix. What are we going to title it? Oh, well, we called, do we call, oh, yeah, title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I uh, didn't think about that. Let's see, what can we title it? This, oh. this is Halloween feels like it's cheating. That's probably what we called last year's. No, we, we went, with, went with Thriller. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. Well, let's see here. Um, uh, Bad Moon Rising would be very general. Yeah. Uh, Kill the Night would work. Um, Killing Moon would work. Bloodletting. I love the dead. <laughs> Haunted would be very apropos. Uh, torture. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I kind of like Kill the Night as a title. All right. I mean, does that work for yeah, you? That's yeah. either um, actually the two of two my my two choices are back to back: Bad Moon Rising or Kill of the Night. They both I think work well. Um, yeah, let's go Kill of the Night. All right, all right, and then um, wow, that's it. Season two is over and done with. Um, we can't thank you enough for for sticking with us here through the second season. I know our format changed a bit. It's probably going to change again going into the third season in some some ways. I don't know. We haven't really talked about it yet. Um, we will be back in December with a holiday. That's the plan, right? Yeah, yeah we'll do a holiday. Yep. Do a holiday special. Um, so we will, well, we won't see you. You will hear us in, in December or, or very near. Um, but yeah, it's been a fun season. We, we've, we did quite a few new and interesting things. I love the Uncharted. Yeah, that was, that, that good, was yeah. one of the highlights of, of the season without question. Um, and we kind of, there was an epic flow in terms of our downloads. People were very interested in rock and roll, the year 1991, uh, breakups. <laughs> I, I don't know, I, apparently. Weird Al, Weird Al. Weird Al was huge, yeah. Thanks to the Weird um, Al uh, like of our tweet. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's been very, it's been a great great second season. We, we already have some really cool ideas in store for season three. Well. Uh, 
Hope, we're, we're hoping to surprise you when, when we come back with that. Um, as always, if you have any ideas, shoot us an email. We haven't said this in some time, but we you know we always wanted to have a dialogue with our listeners. If you have ideas for, for episodes for next season, by all means, share, share away. And uh, again, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts or on, on Facebook, really anywhere that you can leave a review, uh, we'd appreciate the help. It helps us to continue to grow our audience. And oh, what else have we not said in some time? I think that's it. That, uh, do you want to mention our sponsor on yeah, our way yeah, out here? This yeah, absolutely. J, yeah, Jay Callahan Painting, once again. Um, definitely look up Jay Callahan Painting. Uh, you will not regret it. She does amazing work, affordable prices for all of your painting needs, serving the greater Cleveland area. Um, tell her Dave and Al sent you. Uh, good, good friend of ours, and she will do you right. Um, that's it. That is season two. I'm going to have to look up my, my picks from last Christmas because I don't remember what I picked. And I know there are a lot of favorites on that, so mm. it'll be uh, it'll be good. Yeah, I haven't even thought about the holiday special yet. Um, I, I do remember there were a whole lot of songs that I that made my I didn't I I really never had a short list last last December. I mean, I wanted everything on on. I don't think we would ever run out. No, no, of no. Christmas songs, quite frankly, and no, it's, it'd be virtually impossible. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't even know what I included off the top of my well, head. Right go now. back and look. That's why we have the playlist on our website. So if you'd like to hear any of the playlists from this past season or the season before, check our website, genxmixtape.com, and there you can find all of the links to the Spotify uh, mixtapes that we created. Yeah. I, you know what would be really cool, too? I, I wish there was a way that we could do it. Um, all the time on social media, I see people, you know, post the, you know, let's make a, a mixtape, you know, everybody throw on a song. I wish there was a way that we could do that on Spotify. Just have an open oh, you can. playlist you where can. All, of, can. all of our listeners could just add you a song. You can do that. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that uh-huh. on Spotify. Yeah. Huh. I mean, you'd have to, well, they, well, we could make it if they shared it. Like if on, if you put a Facebook post about it and everybody like commented on what songs. Oh, right. Then we, and then we could throw them together we can and add make it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I didn't think there was a way for everyone. To do a joint. Yeah, everyone everyone would have an editing rights. Right, so that'd right, be right. kind of bizarre. Um, but yeah, we hope that you enjoyed season two. Uh, if you have any ideas for next season, please do share them. Um, if, you know, I, I'll say this as well. If you think that we, we missed our opportunity. There were scary songs that we did not include. I'd love to hear your picks because, you know, it is that time of the year and I am all about the horror. So, but with that, we leave you. It is time to say goodbye for another season. All right. Yep. That is all for this season. Hot Funk, Cool Punk, even if it's old junk, another mix of memories awaits during the holidays. <laughs> but for now, press pause, lift the needles, and hit eject. And we will see you in December.